Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheep needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week and indeed for another season. Uh, we have taken one season off and in that time the club has managed to win one Premiership. So we thought we'd ruin everybody's good times and come back. I am your host, Honey Badger 35 I am joined this week by the newly renamed Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, how are you? Good. The artist formerly known as Fivey. That's the one. So please excuse when I do call you Fivey uh, inevitably, but good off-season. It was obviously a great start to the off-season. How, how have you been over the last few months? Um, yeah, floating around on a bit of a cloud, I think. It's pretty exceptional. There's uh, there's worse ways to spend the summer than re-watching the grand final. Uh, I am also joined this week by our our resident reporter in the Eagles' home away from home, that being Adelaide Oval. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Mr KK. How are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, thanks for putting the effort in to get this up and running again. I'm sure our five listeners will be very grateful for all the work we're doing. Yes, I'm sure they will, and I'm sure the playing squad will be furious given our uh, our win loss record with the podcast up and running. But that's all right. How many times have you rewatched the grand final since since the end of the year? Uh, I think it's four or five. The person who posted on our board with all the radio calls—they're a legend because I went through and synced them all up and watched it with each different call. Some of the some of the radio commentary is terrific. It certainly proves how. Uh, Poor some of the seven commentaries, but that's all right. There's no need to be negative this early on. Miguel, what about yourself? How many times have you have you watched the game? Uh, probably only three or four, I'd say. Um, and yeah, haven't gone through and listened to any of the other calls. Um, I was at the game, so I didn't hear. Um, I didn't hear the the channel seven. I didn't hear any of the calls live. Um, yeah, have only watched it with the the channel seven call, and yeah, probably left a bit to be desired, but that's all right. That's all right. Look, if the worst thing that happens to you on the last day in September is the commentary's not great, I think uh, you're probably pretty happy. So, yeah, look, exactly. We, we all know we won the flag. Uh, we've all been flexing around big footy and, and showing the trademark level of arrogance. But the end of the season was not truly the end of 2018 for the Eagles. We've had a pretty strong off-season and been involved in a lot of different ways. Uh, the first one was probably the big one, was keeping Andrew Gaff. Uh, many tipped him to go to North. There was reports of a seven-year, over $7 million contract, and yet, KK, he's turned that down, and he's coming back to the Eagles for what might be as long as six years. Your thoughts? I think it's fantastic. I thought all of last season we probably couldn't keep all three of McGovern, Gaff and Lysette in our cap, and I think if we had to choose one to lose, we're probably best covered to lose Lysette, and I think it's, it's great that Gaff's staying. It's amazing that we, A, won a premiership without him, and then B, the guy who replaced him, was he probably wouldn't have won a premiership if he didn't play. So sliding doors and all that, but I, th- I think it's great. And I think he, probably missing out on the premiership, certainly uh, helped his decision to decide to stay with us. And he's just uh, another in a long list of people to turn down North's barrel full of money. Yeah, terrific result on two fronts. One, 
Fantastic. We get to keep Andrew Gaff and number two sucked in north. Uh, Miguel, what does it say? He, he didn't go back home. He chose to stay with the Eagles. Uh, he chose to stay with the club that he's just missed out on the ultimate success with. And he's uh, turned down a significant amount of money, if reports are to be believed, to stay with Simo and to stay with this core. So what does that say to you? Yeah, I think it's definitely a sign that he, he feels he's got an unfinished business. Um, probably also feels like he owes the club a bit, although you know, we meant he doesn't owe us really because we managed to win a premiership without him anyway. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's a great sign. We don't lose too many, um, you know, even the, the Victorian Origin guys, uh, apart from Judd, we haven't lost, and um, Scott Selwood, I guess, we haven't lost too many that we've um, that we've really wanted to keep. So. Uh, there's clearly a good culture around the club at the moment. Um, you hear that in in our competition, um, the other the other podcast that Will Schofield runs. Um, <laughs> it, it's, and Sam Butler, it seems to be a really uh, really tight playing group. Um, and I think having him and um, Nick Nat and Shepard, uh, who missed out on on the premiership, is sort of um, giving a bit of fuel to the guys to to go again. Whereas um, yeah, otherwise they might be um, pretty happy to rest on their laurels and you know think, oh yeah, we've, um, we've made the pinnacle, we've won a flag, you know, we're all that. They could be forgiven for thinking that maybe, but there seems to be a bit of a um, bit of a push to to win another one for the guys that did miss out. So yeah, great that um, that Gaff resigned and and Gov resigned a bit earlier than that. Uh, sorry to lose Scott Lysett, but he was probably the one that we could. Um, most easily replace, and I think we've done pretty well to replace him with a pretty much a like for like with Hickey. He's basically sort of a, a cheaper version of Lysett. Yeah, you both touched on it in terms of there was that trio of free agents coming up, and, and I suppose we'd all agree if we had to pick. Unfortunately, we would have to lose Lysett, or that would be the preferred option. Um, he's gone home in restricted free agency. We've wound up with a quite a surprising, I think, compensation pick. I don't think too many thought for sure we'd get that end of the first round compensation. Um, KK getting Tom Hickey in, there was a bit of a pick swap going on, but effectively we've got Tom Hickey in fairly cheaply and he's going to replace Lysette. How do you how do you view that acquisition? I think it's it's been a really good pickup. I've watched the, the two JLT games and it doesn't seem like we've lost that much and he certainly looks like he's keen to take advantage of the um, grabbing the ball out of the ruck rule more than anyone else I've seen in the pre-season. And as you say, it's it's almost a like-for-like replacement, maybe a bit of a downgrade, but given the picks that we pick we got for Lyset and the pick we traded for Hickey, I think it's going to be really good. And we've bolstered out our future stocks in the, the draft as well. well I, think, I think it's a great pick-up until Nat Newby comes back. It is worth remembering, yeah, you've touched on it there, that look, eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, he will be our third-choice ruck down the line, a position uh, Nathan Vardy found himself in to start last year and look how valuable he proved to be. So it's if nothing else, it's terrific depth, but I think he'll hold us in pretty good stead to start the year. Uh, Miguel, a man who I wouldn't have thought has bought a beer in WA since September, Dom Sheed has also recently re-signed with the club and it's reported by the West Australian that it's only around 450000 per year, which certainly isn't uh, cap-shattering money. It's uh, We've got a lot of mouths to feed in terms of our cap, and, and Dom Sheet will be sticking around until sort of his mid-20s at, at the least. So that's a good start, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think I'd picked up on that news. Um, I know Shepard re-signed as well. Um, they're both sort of... They probably both grew up Eagles supporters. They're local boys. Um, 
Actually, no, Shepard was a North Melbourne supporter, wasn't he? Anyway, um, no, local boys, um, no, just another example, I think, of the great culture that we've got. And it's um, it's similar to Hawthorne when they were winning flags every year that you, you, know, you heard about players that were uh, taking big pay cuts and, and taking a lot smaller money than they could have got elsewhere to, to hang around and, and be part of something big. So, yeah, it's great to see us uh, taking advantage of that as well. Uh, and, and Brad Shepherd, along with Sheed. Now, obviously, Shepherd, unfortunately, KK did miss the grand final due to injury, having played some ridiculous amount of consecutive games prior. But 95. 95, there you go. Uh, but he, yeah, KK, he's another one that's re-signed. So we've got two relatively young. I mean, Shepherd signed until the start of his 30s. So we've got two sort of foundation pieces there, I suppose, in the middle and at the back line. Uh, your, your thoughts on, on keeping both of those? Yeah, I, I hadn't heard about the Sheed one either, but that, that's fantastic. I think watching him in the first couple of games, it's he's just kept on going from the grand final, uh, which is a really good sign. Um, I think Shepard's one of those guys that if he went to another club, he'd never get, he'd never be as valuable to another club as he is to mm. us. He's sort of one of those players that if he's at your club, you know how good he is, but the rest of the league don't. And I think he's just a really a great club, I and mean, you could see how much um, the rest of the guys were upset for him that he missed out in the in the, the grand final. And I think there is, as Favi said, there is uh, Miguel. Sorry, as Miguel said, there really is a, a desire. It seems to to get a premiership for those guys that missed out. Oh, I was so impressed with our attitude in the the hitouts that no one looked like they missed a session over the off season. Everyone looked like they were just really switched on, ready to go again. Uh, another. Sort of, I, I suppose it's not minor. It's funny to be thinking that a player of this stature is a minor deal, but Josh Kennedy signed an extension as well. And I think probably, and this is pure estimation by me, but I would suggest that a lot of that has to do with balancing the cap. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of uh, high earners now, you'd say. Um, but Josh Kennedy will be sticking around for another year, which is, which is just terrific. If you look at the squad, if you look at the grand final squad from last year, and we'll get to the round one preview pretty shortly... There are not a lot of moving pieces. This is the most uh, amount of continuity I think a grand finalist could expect to have reasonably. Miguel, what, what do you think this side is still maybe lacking or, or do you think that the continuity is just the best asset in the world that you could have? Yeah, the continuity is really great. Um, we've got the young guys sort of pushing up and, um, and trying to put pressure on that. I think we've got 20 of the Premiership, 22 left. Um, and uh, plus Gaff, Shepard and Nat Nui to come in. But we've got the younger guys like um, uh, Alan and Brander and, and Petrocelli pushing up and, and putting pressure on and, and Jake Waterman. I, I think what we're lacking still is a bit of depth in the midfield. Um, uh, uh, the Premiership midfield plus Gaff is, is a really good unit, but after that it, it does drop away. It's difficult to see where the next guy is going to come in or who's going to be the next guy to come in. Sort of got Archie there, who's a bit, um, I suppose he's decent depth. Uh, we're really relying on guys like Ainsworth um, to come on uh, and, and a couple of the draftees that we've got. So that's that's probably my biggest concern. But, yeah, certainly we've got yeah really strong side. Um, we've got most of the premiership side back again. We've got you know, three big names to come back in who missed out and, and some good youth pushing through. So we really should be uh, aiming, well, I suppose you aim to go back to back, but really I think a pass mark for this season would be, you know, 
getting back to another preliminary final and then from there it's sort of it's a raffle how far how much further you get but um yeah certainly should be looking at doing that again yeah certainly a lot of expectation coming into the year uh the most well i would say certainly a lot more than 2016 and there was a lot of expectation coming into into 2016 kk you touched on a couple of the kids or you mentioned you know we have picked up some kids in the draft earlier in the year now, if we look at the draft, this year there was the first season with the live trading and the Eagles worked a couple of interesting deals, a few with the Gold Coast during the draft and more importantly, I think, picking up that future second from Sydney. Are you an avid follower of the draft or you just sort of recap who we pick up at the end or what's your, what's your draft experience like? I'm an avid follower from about one day before the draft. Yes, very good. And I'm the expert like everyone else is. I Probably going back to the 12 months before as well, I think the trades we did and I guess the infamous trade with Gold Coast that is just laughable in terms of how much it's worked out in our favour, I think you've got to take the hats off to actually have that strategy. It's it's pretty simple to just take your draft picks to the draft and pick the best player available. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's, it's a lot more balls to think outside the box and play the rules and the deal we did with Sydney just made the AFL look like idiots in terms of their live trading that we could and how it works with the father-son points that, yeah, we, we took a nice little premium from Sydney to save them from having to use their top pick on, on Blakey. So I think hats off to the club for being bold. And I really like the guys we've got in the drafts this year, which might be a problem because last year I had an absolute meltdown about our drafting and it shows how little I know about anything. Anyone, someone should dig up that post that, that I <laughs> when we drafted a load of forwards and Petricelli. I said, oh, we don't need any of these players. We need midfielders. But, um, I like the guys we drafted this year. I think O'Neill, I think he could be a bit of a, a roughie there. Uh, he wasn't on many people's boards, but um, he looks a bit of a, a, a shooey sort of player. And, and the rest of the guys are just, I guess, keeping with the tradition of the guys, guys we got, like... Um, Williams is a great tall. We're always good developing talls. Foley's a sort of wingman, go forward lacrosse sort of mould. And, yeah, we should be really happy with what we've done the last couple of years. But I'm not the man to ask. Well, you shouldn't close with that, but that's fine. I'll, uh, maybe I'll edit around that a little bit. Edit that out. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, Miguel, any prospects in particular that stood out or anything on, on draft day or throughout the draft build-up that, that stood out to you that you liked? Uh, no, pretty much echo um, KK's thoughts. Um, yeah, I thought the club was really shrewd in, in the um, the live trades that it made with Sydney. Um, and then I think it was Gold Coast we made a trade as well, possibly, because we, we weren't quite done screwing them over yet. Um, made the trade. That there was clearly those, I think, those three guys that the recruiters rated and um, realised that they sort of rated them higher than other clubs and traded down to make sure they could get all three. That get the feeling that was the strategy. Um, O'Neill was yeah, certainly one out of left field. Um, I haven't seen him too much on the training track or anything yet. He's been a bit injured, unfortunately. But, yeah, certainly uh, reads a bit like a shoey pick. I think both from the Oakley Chargers, both sort of um, inside, outside midfielders and uh, and taken a bit earlier than they were expected. So, yeah, hopefully he can um, he can have a career half as good as Shuey's. Um, yeah, I think... By the look of it, we'll have to wait a bit longer to see um, how this draft class does. 
Um, last year's was pretty exciting from the get-go. Um, it did take a couple of older guys like Ryan. Actually, probably was just Ryan, wasn't it, the older guy? But um, you know, Alan and, and Brander and Petricelli all showed, um, and Ainsworth as well, all showed flashes as well, whereas um, a couple of the guys this year have had slower starts. Jared Cameron um, did get a game in the JLT and, and didn't look out of place as well, despite the fact that he, he's built like a 14-year-old. Um, but he's now injured, unfortunately, so I think we might have to, to wait a bit to see any of these guys in action, but um, we've still got plenty of development left in last year's class, and yeah, I, I think that's where our improvement this year will come from, is, is those second-year players. Yeah, there's a real excitement around last year's class. Uh, obviously, we debuted a significant number of them last season, but I think they've shown a lot in the JLT, um, especially those first two picks. The other one you mentioned, you mentioned Ryan as a as a mature pickup. I really like the Josh Smith acquisition. I don't think it'll change the game, but just in terms of having somebody with a little bit more experience on the AFL list, list I think how, he's 23, 24, something like that. May even be a touch older, but uh, he's yeah somebody that I think will be a, a, a pretty pretty smart pickup, pretty shrewd pickup down the line. Um, all of this sounds like it was. This feels about 10 years ago. Talking about the draft. It's so good that footy's back. I can't believe it. Um, the other big bit of Eagles news throughout the off-season was the unveiling of a new waffle team, a dedicated West Coast Eagles dubbed the Beagles on the board. Well done to whoever coined that. Uh, we got the, we've got the new waffle team now and no longer have to align with East Perth. This was probably coming for a little while, but I think it's probably something that's going to help the youngsters develop, which is great given the sheer volume of kids we've got and the strength of the 22. KK, is this something that you think is going to move the needle much? For our kids' development, or it's just a nice thing to have. I think it's a. I think it'll be a very good thing. I think it will make more of a difference than people might realise. Having that that continuity of coaching and development through the whole club, I think, can only be a good thing. You could almost probably trace Hawthorne's success back to them taking over Box Hill, and hopefully, we can do we can do the same thing. Um, how's it been? taken by the locals over there because I know when when the Crows had their standalone team in the SANFL the, the old timers of the SANFL sort of fainted and carried on like idiots and and all that. Has it been pretty well received by the, the footy public over there? Miguel, you're probably better placed uh, just knowing you're more frequent attendance of East Perth at the very least, um, but from what I've seen, uh, there is a little bit of pushback on these sorts of things, but Again, most of the media I'm consuming is from an Eagles point of view, and I just think it's great. So, uh, Miguel, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I haven't seen too much pushback. Um, that might change a bit if we start, if the Beagles start winning games, um, and you know, if they're pushing for a final at the expense of you know, one of the traditional clubs, then there'll probably be a bit of pushback. Um, I haven't seen too much. Um, I think the club throwing enormous amounts of money at, at the Waffle and the existing clubs to um, to get that team has probably helped soften the blow a bit. We're basically um, funding the league now, are we not? We are throwing a serious amount of money at, at some clubs that were, or to a league, I suppose, that was really financially in a, in a pretty dire situation. Yeah, I think the package for the first year, at least, was something like $800,000 or, or something uh, hugely ridiculous. Um, and uh, giving, uh, giving the Waffle Clubs, I, th- I think they all get an extra home game or two out of this and... Um, the, the opportunity to sell their home games back as well. So, 
Um, I, I think they made the package as attractive as possible for for the other clubs. Um, certainly, I think from what I've seen um, regarding East Perth, I think they're quite happy for the alignment to have ended. That was a, a pretty um, tenuous relationship uh, for most of the time. So uh, East Perth will have some some difficulty in building back up now that you know they've lost half their playing list. So they're in for some tough times. Uh, but yeah. I, think well yeah as an eagles fan i'm, I'm really excited um i think it can only be good for our club uh, and and our younger players because you know, at east perth some of the the younger guys and the rookie listed players and the guys like malcolm carpenty were you know, had some time in the waffle reserves which i don't think was doing any um any favors for their development so yeah i, th- I think it's a really positive move um I, and i think the waffle um the waffle in general will be better for it I know I'd certainly be more inclined to go and watch a team that I know is entirely Eagle reserves or Eagles listed players rather than having to decide. Like you said, yeah, look, some are playing reserves today, some are playing Waffle League and and the mix and match. Um, I suppose just getting through some other things in the off-season, we've got the Lathlane facilities are are very close to completed and up and running. Uh, There's some training taking place out of those now. We've got Sam Kerr in as a new number one ticket holder and some financial reports came out uh, over the past week or so that just have us smashing the competition. We're well-placed financially. If we're not number one, we're in the top three in pretty much every significant metric. Uh, KK, do you think that's the best off-season that the West Coast Eagles have ever put together? Yes, I do, Kent. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, Miguel, same to you. Um, yeah, well, I don't remember uh, um, the 90s flags that well because I was quite young then um certainly better than our off season following the 2006 flag because um uh our star player hasn't been carted off to rehab just ahead of round one so um there's still a handful of days so i wouldn't be throwing that out to the universe just at the moment yeah sorry yeah good point um but yeah look um barring that and fingers crossed yeah I, I think it would have to be yeah one of the best sort of um, September to, to March periods that we've ever seen. It's just a lot more fun when you win the grand final. We should we should just do this every year. I don't understand why they've not been doing it. Um, but I suppose that it's, closes... it's a good plan. Have you have you written to the club and suggested that to them? Because they they probably welcome a plan like that. Yeah, you know what? Actually, after this, after this is done, yeah. I've uh, I've got some thoughts. That, uh, that'll close the book, I guess, on, on 2018 and all of the off-season moves uh, attached with that. And now we move on to the Premiership Defence. We are now the hunted. Um, the, the club has made that friends, family, flags motto quite public over the off-season, so they're obviously not satisfied with just the one. Uh, and we move into 2019, I guess, as I said, you know, we, we are the pinnacle of, of football as it stands, which is a nice place to be, but it comes with some pressure. So, uh, Miguel, I guess we'll start with you. How do you think that this season's going to go for the Eagles in terms of ladder position, in terms of are we going to rattle off a big win streak like we saw last year? Are they going to fold under the pressure? Are they going to stand up to the pressure? What do you, what do you think 2019 has in store for the West Coast Eagles? Um, I just think with the, the strength of the squad uh, and the, the resolve in the squad, I don't, I don't think we'll drop off at all, um, you know, barring injury uh, and you know, a, in some sort of disaster or you know, player getting carted off to rehab. Um I think we should be thereabouts again. So yeah, look, I um, I said we should expect to um, to at least make a prelim. 
um, you know, from there anything can happen, as as Richmond saw last year. But you know, I think we should be looking at that. And um, you know, if you get to a prelim, then there's every chance um, that you you go all the way. Does anyone else still feel a bit weird when they say reigning premiers West Coast Eagles? Because I still no, have to I just feel right. Last, <laughs> yeah, last year was just so unexpected that. It's hard to think how this year could top it, but we've never gone back-to-back, so it's first time for everything. And looking objectively, there isn't really a standout reason why we would have a significant drop-off from last year. We've barely lost any players. We won a grand final without key players that are going to be coming back, either at the start of the year or halfway through. Um, We might talk about the rule changes later, but I don't see them having anything but a positive impact for us. And best of all, no one seems to rate us, so we should fly under the radar. We might not get that pressure of being the hunted and getting every team's best effort every time we we play them, particularly on the road. So onwards and upwards, I I think if we don't make, say, at least the prelim, it's probably a a disappointment on the season. If I had to get a a ladder position out of you, where would you say we're going to finish on the ladder? I'll say second, just because we don't seem to do first. <laughs> and I haven't gone through all the fixtures one by one, but I, I know when we looked at the double ups that we had some pretty, we had a pretty rough draw. And I think, um, I think I read Ron Conley's article, he picked us to finish first, but our draw was rated 16th hardest out of, out of the 18. So maybe second, but, but top two, same as top one for us as a, as a Perth based club. Uh, Miguel, you've said prelim. Does that come uh, on the road, I suppose, through some road final victories or are we just coming in the top two as, as KK has? Where do you have us finishing? Yeah, I think I think we could, um, uh, with the, the big advantage we've got at Optus and um, we've seemed to have learned how to win in Melbourne. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, we could definitely finish top two and get a home prelim or well, home home final than a home prelim, yeah. I'm a little bit concerned about the draw. Um, it was just touched on then, but I, I do think looking at our schedule, I will say I've compared two teams' schedules. One is ours, one is Fremantle's. So we clearly have a harder draw than Fremantle, and I don't think that's a revolutionary statement, but I, I think there is probably the scope for about a 15-16 win season, which more often than not gets you fourth at least. I am a little bit concerned that the schedule might catch up with us if we you know, get a couple of knocks or a few things break the wrong way, but... At the lowest, I would see us finishing fourth. And uh, as you've both said, yeah, you, you'd really want to expect a prelim from the from the reigning premiers, I suppose. Um, now, last year in the grand final, somewhat of an unexpected hero in Dom Sheed. Obviously, Shuey won the Norm Smith medal. We had Schofield and Barras were outstanding, especially in the first half. There are a lot of contributors across the board that might surprise, I suppose. It's not as simple as who gets the most Brownlow votes. Somebody's going to take away the best and fairest and they're going to have had to really, really earn it. KK, who do you have as the best eagle for 2019? I started off by looking at last year and thinking who might rise up and I didn't realise sure he didn't make top 10 in our, in our BNF last year. I guess he missed a few games, but I'll say Shuey. I think I think Norm Smith will just give him the confidence to go on and be that dominating force in more games. So, yeah. I'll go with Shuey. Might be a slightly obvious pick, but he's my my choice. If I was going to say a Smokey, uh, I reckon Tom Barras. Very good, Miguel. 
Um, yeah, Shuey, such an obvious pick that I was going to say him as well. Um, yeah, I just think he'll uh, continue on. He might suffer, I think, from getting a tag a bit more. Although that was probably the reason for his um, uh, for his uh, finish outside the top ten last year was that he was generally copping the tag um, pretty regularly and and so taking a bit of the heat off um, off the other midfielders. So yeah, he'd be right up there. Um, my other, I would have said Gaff, except um, missing games under our voting system really hurts you, and he will obviously miss the first two. Um, but I think he'll be primed for um, for another big year. Um, he did finish quite high despite missing um, five or six games at the end of the year with his suspension. So um, proven vote getter, he might be up there again. And gee, I would have said Barass is a smoky as well. Uh, so I'm struggling here. Um, I thought Hearn was robbed last year. I thought he would have won. Uh, if he continues on that good form, then he'll be right up there again. I'm going to throw a bit of a spanner in the works and say somebody that's yet to be mentioned, I think, for the entirety of the podcast, in Jack Darling. Uh, I Maybe I'm trying to speak it into existence. Maybe I don't firmly believe it yet, but uh, I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to stick with it. So his first, what was it, 10 weeks perhaps last year? The first half of the season for Jack Darling was as dominant as I've seen a forward play in a long time, including Kennedy, including any of the common medalists. You had uh, a level of media coverage on him and it's helped by guys like Jonathan Brown always wanting to big up the key forward. But you had media coverage from over East for a club that at that point still wasn't really rated about how well Jack Darling is playing. So we've seen that he's got it in him. Uh, his third quarter in the grand final was special. There was a little bit to be desired outside of that. Obviously, he had the moment okay. where he nearly dropped the cup. But let's not talk about that. I think, especially with Kennedy uh, sort of on the back end, and he'll be in and out of the squad a little bit with some niggles perhaps... You can't not pay attention to Josh Kennedy. The 666, you can't be dropping spares in as early, I suppose, in the play. I think Jack Darling is primed for a very, very big year. Uh, I'd, cer- I'd certainly pick him to um, to beat Kennedy for our goal kicking, which was the next question on your run down there. Yeah, um, leads in I had that too. And we're already um, more professional than the, the official Eagles podcast because they said in their first episode they don't actually have a rundown. Um but uh, I would, I wouldn't pick Darling to win the BNF just because, for whatever reason, um, forwards don't seem to ever win it. Um, Sumich never won one. Hetty never won one. Um, Kennedy hasn't won one. Lacroix won in two thousand and ten, which was a yeah, absolutely a shocking. He was a very big he was the soul shining that. light, but yeah, in a shocking year. So um, yeah, well, mate, yeah. when he kicks eight goals a game. For 22 okay. games, it's pretty hard to not vote for him. So we'll see. I'll, I'll keep the receipts. We'll see. We'll see at the end of the okay. year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, goal, leading goal kicker. Do we all agree, though, that Darling is probably primed, if not just for more consistent output and more games? Do we think Darling's primed to lead the club this year? Yep. Yes. KK, is there anything this year that you are really, really looking forward to, be it a player or, or maybe something new in the coaching or, or anything Anything in terms of somebody's development? What are you looking forward to the most this year? I think something a bit intriguing will be Allen, uh, Oscar Allen, Brander and Waterman. So we've probably got room for two out of three, maybe at times only one out of three. So I'm very keen to see 
which of them plays and, and where they play. I think in Allen and Brander, they've shown in a limited time they've been on the field. They've been moved around in a few different positions and seem to be pretty comfortable in all of them. Um, Waterman haven't seen much outside of that sort of wing, high half forward sort of role. So I feel he might be the, the one on the outer at the moment, but I'm, I'm really interested to see how we use those three guys, and particularly with, uh, with the rule changes. So I had Alan down as mine. Uh, I think he is a special talent. I know he was taken after Brander. We maybe haven't seen quite as much just yet. I still think there's a footballer there, but I think Alan is a, a program-changing talent at his absolute best. He's already started to show glimpses. Like you said, they're very happy to move him around. We saw he and... Well, actually, in fact, we saw all three of them, I suppose, playing on the wing, um, shading a little bit defensively on the wing. We've seen them operating forward. Alan we've seen down back. I think it will be impossible to keep him out of the squad. I would suggest he'll be looking at 15-plus games, which for a second-year player is uh, going to be a terrific output, especially given the strength of the squad. Miguel, is there anything in particular that you're looking for? Yeah, those guys. Um, Petrocelli as well, I'd, I'd add to that. He's a different sort of player, obviously, but um, same age. Uh, has apparently had uh, the mother of all pre-seasons. Uh, he's looked... He's, he's shown, um, well, he showed glimpses, I think, in the, the Geelong game. Um, looks good in the Fremantle game. Uh, and, yeah, the, he seems to be poised to, to take the next step. Um, and, obviously, there's uh, there's some gaps in the forward line with uh, Cloud over Cripps and, and Lacra um, missing out, or Lacra retiring. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely put his hand up for that. And, yeah, hopefully we can see, yeah, sort of, 12 to 15 games this year from him as well. Um, yeah, agree with you. Alan's probably the, the standout of that group, um, which uh, is, is a pretty good achievement because there's some, yeah, um, Brander is going to be a, a real talent as well. I think um, he might end up down back, which may not be his best position, but um, just from the fact that <laughs> there's, there's no room in the forward line. The willingness to try them, especially Alan and Brander on the wing, uh, is I think it's interesting. It's an interesting coaching attempt, but I also think that it's phenomenal to see that they obviously have some, I guess you'd say, natural footballers in those guys, and they're just trying to figure out how can we get these guys into a squad because they're obviously down the chain for key forward positions. So um, I think it, it speaks very highly to the quality of those two guys that in the JLT we've got 190-plus centimetres guys running around on the wing. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And Alan, as, as well, has, I think has been um, trialling a bit in the ruck. Uh, we didn't really see much of it in the JLT, but I think he's been doing that at, at training and in, in the intra-clubs. So, yeah, you just get the feeling that the, the club is sort of trying to get um, get him as much experience as they can in, in a variety of different roles so that they can throw him into the, um, into the side uh, as soon as there's an opening. KK, bold predictions. Uh, last year we had a Melbourne, I believe it was a Melbourne supporter, come onto the Eagles board and write an entire post about how the Eagles were a very good chance to win the grand final. I am not having a go at you, but I don't think it will be as good as that bold prediction because that's about the best call a year in advance as I think I've ever seen. But if you had to, what's your bold prediction for 2019? I wasn't planning to go that bold. I, would, I was just going to say that Tommy Barras for all Australian. I think he's primed to go to the next next level. Um, again, we, we keep harping back to the, the rule changes, and I think 
the more one-on-one contests he gets to to be a part of in the defence and and wins, the more he'll stand out. Um, so I said he's my smoky BNF, and I think he'd be an Australian. Do you think he's got the profile in terms of you know attracting the the voters and, and constant media attention throughout the year? Probably not, but surely we have to get more focus this year as premiers. After after his grand final, where he was, uh, did he get some Norm Smith votes? He bloody well should have. Um, after that, I think he'll be a lot more in um, in the mind of, of the selectors and the media. Um, yeah, whether that he, he might then get a a berth in the the forty man squad. Um, Eric McKenzie saw that you sort of have to wait a few years after you you actually deserve it before you get in. And it's very hard given that Alex Rance is yeah, written in in permanent marker until the end of time, no matter what yeah. he actually puts on the field. So, but no, yeah. he'll, he'll still be in there four years after he retires. 100%. 100%. Uh, Miguel, yourself, bold prediction for the year? Um, probably should have planned this beforehand. Um, Do you want me to give uh, you a moment to think about it? Because I've got a bloody good one in the chamber. Okay, you go, and I'll keep thinking. You know what? I'll even give you two. One about us and one about somebody else, just because I want to sink the boots in. So one about us, doubling down, Jack Darling in the All-Australian team. Uh, and a little, I suppose, side note to that is I'm, I'm a little concerned that Gaff is, well, for one, not going to make the All-Australian team, but I don't think he'll maybe be at that dominant level. Uh, he's a fantastic piece in our system. He fits our system perfectly. He just accumulates. He's exactly what we were told on draft night. He's death by a thousand cuts. But I'm a little concerned with what he's looked like in the JLT. He's just not really been on the boil. And given, I know it's only a pre-season game, but we were playing a pretty strong squad. He was still getting to the right spots, but not really getting the footy. So I'm, I'm wondering, maybe he'll take a little while to settle in and then uh, perhaps miss the All-Australian squad, which certainly doesn't mean he'll play badly. But there we are. Now the other one, just to sink the boots in, I think Melbourne could be one of the most disappointing teams of the season. I don't want to say overrated, but certainly disappointing. They were fifth last year. Everybody tips that Hawthorne will come out of the four, which I, I think they will. But Melbourne's split last year against good sides and bottom ten sides was a joke. The last thing that everybody saw of them last year was us kicking 11 straight in a prelim and just laughing them off the field. That's the sort of loss that if you don't, come to grips with pretty quickly in the off-season. That's something that could ripple through their whole program. I would... They'll make finals. They're too good to not make finals. But if you were to tell me that Melbourne don't win a final this year because of their ladder position, uh, it wouldn't blow me away. That's a good call. It's a good call. I I was was listening too closely to that and I still haven't come up with anything for myself. (laughs) Well done. Just rambled (laughs) on. I'll go with... I'll go with uh, Oscar Allen. Keep on the theme of Oscar Allen. I think he'll finish um, top two or three in the Rising Star. I don't think he'll win it because I think the um, I think Sam Walsh has just about got his name engraved on it already um, after his JLT series. But, Is he the best yeah. kid ever? Was the front page of the Herald Sun after JLT won? I believe um, best kid since Alex Rance. I think. Uh, on Oscar Allen, and I suppose that sort of dovetails nicely into the Round 1 squad. So we've got Brisbane coming up, playing on Saturday night. Reigning Premiers get to go on the longest trip in footy, or if it's not the longest, certainly one of the longest. Uh, but at the very least, we get a Saturday primetime game. Brisbane are a, quite an upstart young side. They played very well at the back end of last season, and they gave us a bit of grief in that final game of the year. 
There's a few injury concerns, I suppose, over the squad, but the main thing I think we can all agree is that Oscar Allen will be in the round one team, correct? Yes. Yes. Do you guys think that Kennedy is any chance to play KK? There's been a few rumours going around that he's, throughout the off-season, yeah, he'll be fine for round one. Now it comes out he's got a a bit of a fitness test to to face before he travels over there. Do you think Kennedy's going to play this weekend? Uh, 60-40 in favour of yes. So when I was thinking about my ins and outs, uh, I, I had him in as an, as an in. But we'll see. I think we'll still win if he doesn't. But Yeah, I had I'd probably 60-40 the other way. Just um, watching Sivo on um, being interviewed by Basil yesterday uh, and sort of trying to read between the lines on his comments. Um, Cripps, he basically ruled out. And uh, Kennedy, said was he said 50-50. So... Um, I think he's trying to paint as, as positive a picture as, as possible. So um, I think it's less than 50-50 that he'll play. I don't think they'll risk him on the, the long trip. They'll um, they'll take a, a longer-term view of him um, going into this season and they sort of won't rush him to get across the line for round one. I think that's probably something they can afford to do as well. We've just talked about the, the three brand of Waterman. Allen and maybe none of those guys are ready to play that second forward and really tear a game apart just yet. But, you know, with that long trip and with Kennedy at the age that he is and in the position that we're in, I think maybe hold him off for a week wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, Miguel, you touched on, on Cripps. I believe he's been confirmed as an out. I think Vozzo said he was out in the injury report today. He's listed as a test, but the, the actual article suggested that he was just flat out and out. Uh, Schofield also is an out with a cork thigh. So there's one spot that needs to be changed since the, since the grand final. Who do you guys have, uh, Miguel, we'll start with you, I suppose, who do you have as the ins? I, I don't know if the easiest way is to do this from the grand final side or or how uh, how you want to go about that. But look, Shepard's going to come in from that side. I think we can all agree Allen's going to come in. Who else do we need to be looking for to play round one? Yeah, I've got um, Shepard in for Schofield is a, a very obvious one. Um, uh, Allen, I suppose, in for Kennedy. Well, basically, Allen, Waterman and Petricelli, I think, in for... Kennedy, Lacroix and um, Cripps, um, which you know, Simo's made the point that our forward line uh, is basically all sort of first and second year players apart from Darling now, but um, that's all right. They'll have enough. Uh, there's a lot of talent there, even though they're fairly inexperienced and they'll have a lot of supply because our midfield will kick ass. Uh, and um, Hickey for Lysette, obviously. Um, sort of questioning before the start of the season, whether um, Brooksby was picky for that spot. Um, but I think it's been pretty clear during the JLT that Hickey is the, the first choice. Hickey and Vardy will be the first choice ruck pair. Uh, and probably, uh, barring a drop in form, will be will be the ruck pair until Natanui gets back. KK, any, uh, any disagreements with that? And I suppose the next big talking point of the off-season from the Eagles board has been has been Petrocelli. He's supposedly traded very well. He's shown some flashes in the JLT, and I think a lot of people do have him in the round one side. Um, what have you seen out of him, and, and, and does he have a place this weekend? I think he does. I had the same team as Miguel. Uh, I just think Brander might get the nod ahead of Waterman if Kennedy, Kennedy doesn't play. That's, that's just my gut feel. but It's a pretty line ball between the two of them. Um, yeah, Petricelli's interesting case. He, 
he does great things, but at, at times you you can tell that he's come to football late later in his in development. So I'd love. To, I think he should be in the team, and, and while Cripps is still out, he kind of adds that that manic sort of pressure in the forward line, and he has his, his pacey attributes are like like nothing that anyone else in the league's got. Um, and hopefully the footballing now and, and skills will come as he develops. But I think he's a really exciting prospect. And I'm sorry about what I said about him when we drafted him. But that was more about the club. Not yeah, the club uh, didn't get a lot of runs on the board last year, so fair enough, fair call. Um, Brisbane, they, as I said, look, we're on the rise towards the end of last year. KK, is there anything that you've seen? Having, I'm not sure if you've watched them throughout JLT, but obviously watching them last year, uh, what... What do we need to be aware of for Brisbane? Uh, I saw nothing of them in the JLT except the fact they won both their games, which is a good sign. Is this the top two? Is, this, the, a... is this the true JLT grand final to start the year? There's every chance that they were uh, second it's... on the JLT ladder, right? Probably. Yeah, they were up there. He's won two games. I'm calling So they may well. Maybe the Crows won twice, I think. No, nah, this is and the grand the final. Um, we're going to go back to back in the space of four months. I'm calling it. Right. Uh, sorry, continue, please, Brisbane. Yeah, I'm a bit of a believer that percentage is a good indicator. And last year, Brisbane's percentage was way out of whack with their win-loss record compared to someone like Fremantle, which was the complete opposite. So I think it's a real danger game. I know quite a few people have tipped them to be a riser up the table. and They have got a a super core of talent they've drafted over the last few years. Um, I'm just hoping we get them before they, they really start to click. But it is a danger game for us, and and the danger comes coming off a short pre-season with the grand final. But I did like the way we looked in our two games. That it didn't look like we'd have a shortened pre-season at all, and uh, I think we should deservedly go in as favourites. But we'll have to work for it for sure. With Brisbane, it did take them a little while to gel at the start of last year. But as you said, they've got some great talent. I would suggest I'm the number one Paris Andrews fan outside of Brisbane. I bloody love him. And I think that if Kennedy were to play, he will play on Darling regardless. I think we're going to try and move him away from the from the goal square um, to, to have a little bit more success. Uh, Miguel, anything from you that you're watching watching from Brisbane? No, um, I agree with most of um, what KK said. Um, they've recruited really well. Um, they are, I think, poised to, to come up the ladder. They looked good last year. They had to... They had a real run of um, of games that they sort of lost by single figures, um, and that just seemed to be indicative of a, a young side that couldn't find a way to win. Um, they've they've sort of kept their core, apart from obviously Beams leaving, but um, uh, bring Lockie Neal in and uh, and Lincoln McCarthy's um, looked surprisingly good over the preseason. So yeah, I think they're um, it is it is a danger game. Um, will go in deserved favourites. But, yeah, coming off the the shorter pre-season, uh, going in without with a, a pretty inexperienced um, forward line and, and trip over, it's, um, it, yeah, it's definitely not going to be a cakewalk for us first round up. So in the off-season, we saw the AFL do what they do best and tinker with rules for the absolute sake of it. Do you think, uh, Miguel, that the 666 is going to change the world of AFL at all or, or do you think it's going to help the Eagles? I think we've touched on it before. It's probably going to have a good impact, right? 
there's some religious bodies that would say that the 666 will change the world. Yes. Um, the number of the beast. Very good. But, uh, yeah, I did, commentators seem to be raving about it and you saw open football. Um, I don't know. I thought it was change for the sake of making change. Um, it didn't really. It only sort of helped ease the congestion straight after the bounce and then after that. Um, you saw in every game, you know, if there was an extended period of play without a goal, then you, know, you still had the problem of all 36 players being in one quarter of the ground all the time. Um, but, yeah, you will probably see higher scoring games. Um, it'll be difficult for for teams to, to slow momentum if they can't put an extra player behind the ball. Uh, and that so that might really hurt sort of younger younger teams and teams with less talent. So you'll... You, you might see more blowouts. You know, if someone like Gold Coast comes up against the reigning premiers and we get a we get a good run on and you know, kick a few goals in a row and you know, they you know, without being able to put players behind the ball, they just can't find a way to stop. Um, I thought it might hurt us um, not having a dominant ruckman. That you know, if it if it's a true six on six and then you can see guys break from the midfield um, you know, straight from the bounce. Uh, then uh, that might hurt us. Uh, we didn't really come up against a dominant ruckman. Sandy didn't play for Freo, and Geelong don't really have one. So, and Vardy and Hickey looked really good in the preseason. But yeah, I just wonder how they'll go coming up against the the Max Gorns and the Mentioning the rucks, I cannot wait to see Nick Nat come back in this new six six six. Yeah, it's it's tailor made for him at his peak. If we if we get him back at his peak after his second knee reconstruction, yes. Um, but if you had have designed that Nat Nui to Shui to forward line move, knowing full well you can't just park somebody in front of Kennedy, that's that's uh, a pretty positive rule change in my book, even though I think, as you said, I think they made it for the sake of making it. Uh, KK, how do you think the rule changes are going to affect uh, West Coast? I think it'll be great for us for the reasons you've mentioned. Uh, we, we've got great one-on-one guys in the air at both ends, and we play two rucks, so... I think those teams have tried to get away with playing the likes of Sean Grigg in the ruck. Uh, they won't be doing that at centre bounces under this uh, under this setup. I can give you the hot tip. Um, so I think it'll be good for us. But I, on the whole, I hate the rule. I, I don't. Really, I'm not really a fan of trying to force teams to all play the same way. I think it was so refreshing last year that our style of play was completely different to, say, a Richmond or Melbourne where they have that sort of permanent chaos ball with 15 midfielders and no talls and um, and our style is completely different and doesn't mean one's better better than the other, but you can, ha- you can adapt different styles within the rules and trying to force all these teams to play the same way. Um, and then the silly thing where you might have a close game and you can't put an extra man forward or an extra man back. Like, you think of the the couple of showdowns last year, it was just goal for goal in the last five minutes. And you're saying you're, you're a goal up with 30 seconds to go and there's a centre bounce. You can't put a man back even. It's stupid. It's like saying you can't take a knee in NFL. Yeah, it's how you know, I really, coaches. really hate this rule. Yeah. And it'll be terrible for the, the weaker, younger teams. I could see Gold Coast copying some absolute hidings if teams get on a roll with this. The other rule change that we haven't discussed that will also hurt the younger teams, I think, is the um, banning the runners from the ground, mm. which I don't know if that's yeah. knee-jerk reaction to 
Alex Woodward getting in the way in the grand final, which only hurt his team. But I feel um, like it had been I, on the agenda prior to that. I think it's more the crowding space sort of thing that people have been discussing. But, yeah, you, sorry, you, you yeah. continue. You're right. It's just going to kill the young sides who don't have that experience at making subtle changes within the game, right? Yeah, and it'll make someone like Hodge at Brisbane um, that much more valuable where you've got to coach out on the ground. Uh, and you know, Sam Mitchell before that with us when he was playing. Um, Hayden Ballantyne you know, at Fremantle. The... You know, all the clubs have one. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's that's obviously the reason why he got another contract, I guess. Was he? And that's what Ross tore said us. last week. Oh, did he? Okay. He said you've only got to look at what Hodge is doing. Cost... Oh, Jesus, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know what's more embarrassing: the the Belldivers Brumbies scoop or, the, or Ross Lyon in a presser. But you're right; the rule changes are. Um... I think you. I think across the board, almost universally, made the the rich richer and the poor teams poorer. It's it's uh, pretty baffling. But anyway, that was. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, I love a golfing just class. Before we, just before we leave rules, and I try not to rant, but one thing that really annoys me is that all we hear about is the state of the game, and everything's about that. And I don't think anyone's ever mentioned. And I'm biased because I'm an Eagles fan, but our style is actually pretty watchable and it's quite traditional and it's, it's almost like the way that the AFL want teams to play in that they sort of want to wind the clock back to have these players in, spread out over the ground and one-on-one contests and we do that naturally through the, our style of play and not one person has ever mentioned that the Eagles have just won a premiership playing quite an attractive style of football because um, all they ever watch is the like, say, I mentioned the likes of Melbourne and Richmond and the Bulldogs that just fumble the ball and throw it and play like a rugby mall all day. Um, so that really does shit me to tears. Yeah, well, when Carlton are on th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday night prime time every week, it's it's fair to see why you'd think football sucks. But football is actually terrific if you just let the coaches sort it out. Over history, across yeah. every sport in any country in the world, a style wins. And then a smarter coach comes along and fixes it and solves it because it's all just a problem to be solved. Exactly. I don't see why you need to legislate around good coaching. But anyway, that's the rules. We'll leave that for now. I think we're all on the same page. For a team like the Eagles with a strong spine, really good towers at either end of the ground, the 666 should help us uh, or at the very least do nothing. It's certainly not going to make us worse. So Brisbane this weekend, uh, we want to get underway with a win. We've all flagged it as a bit of a danger game. KK, what do you think the result is going to be? What do you think the margin is going to be? And who is going to be the Eagles' best player? I've said Eagles by 13. So, Brownlow, should we? And Darling for our, our best on ground. I think if Brisbane do have a weakness, I'm, I share your love for Harris Andrews. I think they do have a weakness. They do still concede too many points. And um, I think Darling probably should should have a good time up there. And, and he's, he's looked in, in pretty good form in, in the pre-season as well. I haven't, he's dropped a few marks, but um, he has still looked pretty dominant in the games we've played. Miguel? Uh, I'll pick us by, say, 18. Um, I'll pick Sheed to be best on ground. I think he, he had a massive JLT series. He looks um, poised to, to come off the grand final and, and take the next, next step and... Um, really cement himself in the side. And he, he probably still won't get much attention from the opposition midfielders. I think that'll still go to um, guys like Shuey and Yo and, and Gaff when he comes back. So 
yeah, I think he's he's poised to take advantage of that and have a big year. I'll go Eagles by, I'll just call it six goals. Um, even though we have flagged it as a danger game, I think there is a chance that the Eagles really go hard early and, and it's close back and forward, but then towards the end you can see them break it open. Um, I know we just touched on the rules. If you do have to play 6-6-6 six, 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 but then you're down and you have to throw guys forward, I could see the structure getting a little bit out of whack. There's no runners to tell the young kids exactly where they need to be. I think maybe a couple of late goals could push that margin up over the edge. Uh, for best player, yeah, I like Darling. That's a good call. Um, what about Brad Shepard? He's a little bit banged up. He hasn't played for a while. Maybe he comes in and just reminds us all, hey, here's why I am as good as I am and here's why you all wanted me to sign that contract. So I'll go with Brad Shepard for, uh, for this weekend. That's round one. There's only a few more to go after that, but uh, it should hopefully be a good start. And that brings us to some questions. Unfortunately, at the time of recording, Big Footy is still down. Uh, I'm correct in saying it's down for everybody else, right? I've not just been banned for trolling the Jesse Hogan threads mercilessly, have I? <laughs> um, I just saw a tweet from Chief saying it's down for another hour. I don't know how long ago that tweet was. It was while we were recording. Down for another hour. An this hour? Is, yeah, this isn't good enough, and we're considering our options in the longer term. So... Chief, yeah, well and truly throwing the toys out of the cot there. State of big footy. Let's get some, let's get some changes happening. Uh, well, with that said, I know we did have some questions. I, uh, with apologies to the, the users who posted them. Thank you for posting them. I uh, don't have the names here or indeed the exact wording, but we'll start with one that I can recall, which was, is there the next captain uh, on the list currently? Hearn is obviously coming up for his 100th game as captain. Maybe he'll be moving on in the next couple of seasons, it wouldn't surprise anybody. So who is the next captain of the Eagles based on, on what you've seen? Uh, KK, we'll start with you. I think it depends on when Hearn retires or not. I, I think it might be Duggan, actually. And I know he's not in the leadership group at the moment. Um, I think if Hearn stays for a couple more years, like the other sort of candidates out of that group might be in sort of the wrong age bracket. To do it, um, here we got like like Kennedy is in there. Even Shuey might be might be a bit too old. McGovern doesn't strike me as a captain <laughs> as much as I love the guy. Mm. Uh, um, and Duggan just seems that sort of Mister One Percenter. He's he's really blossomed, and I think that, that could be the next step for him. Yeah, I think um, if Hearn um, steps down at the end of this year, obviously he's got um, a contract for next year, but. Um, he did hint that he might sort of look to step aside. Um, I think Shuey's the, the obvious heir, heir apparent. Um, if, if Hearn goes on for another year, then Shuey's possibly yeah, getting too old to um, to take it over and you would look to that younger group. And, yeah, probably Duggan is the standout candidate um, there. Um, I was just laughing, picturing Gov as, as captain. I think he'd sort of be in the Taylor Walker mould of, of captains. <laughs> you do get a free oh, breakfast yeah. at, at the uh, captain's launch every year, so maybe Gov would throw his hat into the ring if that were on the cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taylor Walker's going so well as captain, they've had to make it a co-captain. Yeah, that's true. Jeez, always, always good. Um, look, I think we're all in agreement. The Shuey's the next one if it happens shortly. Duggan's probably one in the longer term. Uh, I don't know what the age gap is between Shuey and... and uh, Shepherd, but is a guy like Shepherd a chance? I, I'm not. I've not even kept up with who's in our leadership group, but he seems like the sort of bloke that does. Uh, certainly, 
on game day. He's directing a lot of traffic down there. Is he the sort of guy that would maybe get it leadership group not in the coming years? Maybe. He's only a year younger than Shuey. Um, so, and hasn't been in the leadership group before. No, and it doesn't, so, yeah. doesn't solve the captain problem age-wise. I'm just thinking McGovern obviously plays a crucial role. This is a game day thought, plays a crucial role. But Hearn as well, having your captain down there barking out orders, it's great. Who Who is the, the leader of the back line, I suppose, once Hearn hangs up his boots? Yeah, Barras might be, um, might grow into that role, maybe. Certainly something worth monitoring. Anyway, as we go forward, hopefully Shannon Hearn just plays forever and continues to kick 70-metre drop punts for the rest of his life. Uh, we've got another question just with regards to, I suppose, the attitude of the club. Last year they did pull through a, a lot of tough victories, none more so than the grand final, but I think it was Quinns actually who mentioned this one. He s- says that you know now that we've won the flag... Uh, in tight games or in, in close moments where the ball could go one way or the other? Do you think there's going to be an air of, of confidence or indeed arrogance around the side, KK, that'll hold us in good stead? That was a Basil Zimplis question, that... wasn't it? Well, was it about culture? Or... We didn't mention culture. Yeah. Cult, culture of arrogance. God damn right, there's a culture of arrogance. Anyway, sorry, KK. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest biggest things last year was... The professionalism in close games. I think um, one particular thing when we when we beat Hawthorne in Melbourne last year, and I think we started the fourth quarter maybe fifteen point lead, and for the first half of the last quarter they didn't even have possession inside fifty. We just completely shut the game, and, and we didn't destroy, didn't put them away, we didn't even score ourselves, but just total control of the game. And I can even see that in the preseason. I mean, admittedly compared to Fremantle, who were terrible, but we just seem to always have guys in the right place and just know what to do. And I, I, I think there is an art to, to winning close games, and I, I think we're, we're certainly on the, the right side of the ledger to win more often than we lose. And, and that just breeds confidence. The more you do it, the more you're going to. We've certainly won a lot of dramatic close games, grand final, couple against Port, uh... Nick Natanui against GWS a few years ago, but you're right, that Hawthorne game. There was another one against the Giants last year where it's a very mature way to just take the sting out of the game for six minutes, ten minutes. They did it against Collingwood at the G in the home and away season last year. Um, so, yeah, I think there is a maturity, and maybe it'll, maybe you could call it arrogance, but, uh, Miguel, your thoughts? Do you think this is the sort of side that's going to be able to stick with it when the chips are down? Yeah, there's um, there's a real culture of yeah, I wouldn't say arrogance, but yeah, confidence and self belief and um, and yeah, just um, strength of character within the team that um, yeah did help us over the line in a lot of those games um, last year and you know, yeah we've got basically the same squad minus a couple so yeah hard to see that dropping off this year. Very good, very good. Well, hey guys, I think that's uh, episode one of the 2019 season in the books. Uh, apologies if you're listening to this in the future and we haven't won the flag. We've got a history of doing that, and uh, as I say, I apologise. <laughs> but, gents, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, KK, thank you for coming on. Thanks, thank you for all nice and bad. Uh, it's good to be back. It's very good to be back. Miguel, thank you for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, thanks for, for stepping up and organising it again. Yeah, um, and hopefully uh, this, this year will be the test to see whether we're the curse or not. It's... Probably not us. I, f- I feel pretty confident that it's not us. Don't worry about it. No stress. Anyway, They're pretty important. Oh, I know. Trust me, This is we've got ears in the club. Don't you worry about that. Uh, 
look, that's that's all for episode one. Uh, that's all for, for round one and the build-up. We look forward to the team announcement in the coming days and all the best against Brisbane. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we will, uh, we'll see you on the board sometime. Thanks very much. When it comes back Bye up. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>